Welcome to the One Hope Church podcast, where we believe Jesus is our one hope for a better life and a better world. We hope this message encourages you. Good to see you on this Resurrection Sunday. This is fun to do this together, isn't it? I'm so glad you're here. I've been looking forward to seeing you, being with you, celebrating with you. It is great. So whether you're in the room, we know there are people watching online. It is good to be together today. It was several years ago that a group of people decided they wanted to do a study on culture. They wanted to do a study on culture to see how we interacted with each other. Now, in that study, they found out that on average, people have 29 conversations a day. That on average, they last 10 minutes. And that on average, we speak 7,000 words a day. Now, I know right now there's some people in the room who are like, no. There's no way I'm having 29 conversations a day. There's no way I'm using 7,000 words a day that that sounds miserable to you. I get it. I'm not going to have you raise your hands, but you know who you are. Now, there's other people today who you've already met your quota, and it's already morning, right? And they clap because, well, yes, right? I'm not going to have you raise your hands, but you know who you are. And I get it because we all have different wirings. We all have different jobs, different life contexts. I get it. Now, whether you're in the first group or second group, I think there's a truth for all of us that every single one of us have had life-changing life-altering conversations at some point throughout your life. And this is what I'm going to ask for you to do this morning. Can you think of one of those conversations? Can you think of one or two of those conversations? Think about them and think about maybe an encounter that you've had that maybe you didn't see the conversation coming, but after it, something changed. I mean, this conversation, this encounter, maybe it happened with a best friend. It may have happened with a spouse. It may have happened with a boss, a, a grandparent, a parent, maybe with a, a coach, maybe a pastor, maybe a random person that you remember back like, yeah, that was a pivotal conversation. That was a pivotal encounter in my life. Can you think of a moment? Can you think of a conversation? Can you think of an encounter that changed something in you? I want you to think of this because that's where I'm going to take you today and I'm going to take us for the next several weeks. I'll tell you, if you are just visiting One Hope today, if you're a guest today, I want to tell you, I'm so glad that you're here. I personally want to be in your life. We want to be a family together. We want you to be part of what God is doing in and through One Hope. We'd love for you to be here. But I would invite you back because we're going to be talking about some encounters. Starting today on Easter, I, I, I just want to show you an encounter. Because the series is all about Jesus changing everything. One conversation, 
one encounter at a time. Because what I want us to see is just like the moment that you had with somebody else, just like the moment that you can point back to, that you say, this was pivotal in my life, that all throughout the Gospels, Jesus had conversations with people that changed something about their life. Maybe everything about their life. And I want us to see these moments again. I want us to be reminded of these moments again. Because maybe, just maybe, when we're reminded of these moments with Jesus and people, it will remind us why we make such a big deal about Jesus. And maybe why we still don't even make a big enough deal about Jesus. What I want us to see is all throughout the Gospels, Jesus has these personal, personal encounters with people where he stops, where he listens, where he talks, where he where he enters their pain, enters their world. He is patient. He is wise. He is forgiving. He meets people right where they are. And from those encounters, from those conversations, something is changed in them. Now, these conversations, these encounters, um, sometimes are, are the moments where Jesus, in extravagant ways, like, like fights for people, rescues people, and we love those stories. We love those stories because they're reminding to us of how much love is filled in the life of Jesus. But some of the conversations, some of the encounters are not quite so positive. Because some of them are filled with correction. Some of them are fixed or filled with, with discipline. But can I tell you, every one of these conversations, every one of these encounters that I'm going to share with you over the next several weeks are all filled with the truth that Jesus is for those people. Jesus is for those people. But this is what I want you to hear as we begin today. This is what I'm going to want you to hear for the next several weeks, is Jesus wasn't just for those people. It wasn't just because he cared about those people personally. He cares deeply about you just as much. That the story of Jesus is, he was, is the same today as he was back then and he wants to have these personal encounters with you if we will let him and if we will let him jesus can change everything now for today's encounter I'm going to talk about Jesus and two different people. I'm going to talk about Jesus and two different people who viewed Jesus in two different ways, who responded to Jesus in two different ways, and based on their view and their response, their eternity and, their, and that moment 
was changed forever. So we're going to go Luke chapter 23. Now, if you're not part of One Hope, you're just visiting, let me just tell you right now, this is what we do. We're going to grab a text every single week. We're going to grab scripture I want us to engage. There's always Bibles in your seats if you want to use them. You may have your phone. You brought that. You can use that. You brought a Bible. That's great. We'll have it on the screen. But I want us to engage the scripture. And more than just even engaging in it, I want us to engage in it like we're inside the story not just viewing it from the outside. That we need to leave if we can. Imagine the text from a place of not Tuscaloosa 2022, but going back to when the story was written. So we're going to go Luke chapter 23, verse 32. Okay, let's engage with this text today. I'm going to start with verse 32. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. They divided up his clothes by casting lots. Now the people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and they mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was written a notice above him, and it, totally sarcastic, totally negative, which read, This is the king of the Jews. Now one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said? Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, then he looked at Jesus and he said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you, today you'll be with me in paradise. One encounter with Jesus can change everything, depending on our response. Now, if you have grown up in the church, okay? If you've grown up and had any experience in the church, you probably know this story, right? Maybe you even know what led up to this story. Because what we have is an incredible scene of people calling Jesus to be crucified. It's an intense scene in the middle of this town. And there Jesus was, if you can picture it. Once again, we want to jump into the scripture. If we can picture it, there Jesus was. He had just been delivered to the leaders, uh, the Roman leaders, on behalf of the Jewish leaders. He was handed off to those government leaders because the, the Jewish, the religious leaders, were trying to punish him. They're trying to get rid of him. But there was a problem. Because the king and Pilate, they couldn't find reasons to back up the claim to be able to, uh, to arrest him, to, to keep him. But then the people... 
If you know the scene, then the people, they step in, and the people begin to turn on him. They passionately declared that they wanted to trade Jesus for a guy named Barabbas, a murderer, a known criminal, a known terrible person, that they wanted to exchange Jesus for him. This was the custom at the time, that they would allow someone to go free. And they wanted Barabbas, not Jesus. Now, Pilate, he pushed back. Pilate pushed back again. Pilate pushed back a third time saying, like, this doesn't make sense. This is not the right move. I don't believe in this move you're trying to make. But eventually, it was to no avail. And he washed his hands of it. He washed his hands of the scene. And he gave the people what they wanted. Now, if you read the scene in Mark you'll see that an intense scene goes to another level of intensity. Because Mark tells us that now they flog him, they beat him, they destroy his body. They make a crown of thorns and they put it on his head. They hurled insults, just mockery, just trying to shame him, put him in his place, put him under them. And then they attach a beam over his shoulders and tell him to carry it. The problem was after everything he had just been through, he couldn't carry the beam. So they grab a guy named Simon. Simon, it's now your job, your task. You carry this beam until we get to Golgotha, until we get to the skull. And when they get there, they take Jesus and this beam and they put two nails between his wrists and then they attach the beam to this tall plank and they hoist him up for everyone to see. And there he is. Picture this. There he is next to the road. People walking by. It's outside the city now. And people walking by. And they begin to look up at Jesus. And this is actually a good scene. Because they believed that Jesus was getting what he deserved. And they began to yell and mock who Jesus was. And this is now where we get to Luke chapter 23 that I just read to you. There he hangs in between two people. Can you picture it? There he hangs in between two people who belong there. And we see this conversation that happens between Jesus and these two people. We see the man on one side. He starts running his mouth. We see the man on one side. He starts saying, if you are who you say you are, then why don't you come down off that cross and prove to us, prove to me, hey, save us while we're at it. It begins with the same insults that the people walking by the cross would have said. But then there's the other guy on the other side. Then there's the other criminal. Then there's the other thief on the other side, and his response is drastically different. 
he shows that something happened inside of him. Something was going on with him because he shows honor, he shows respect, he shows belief in that moment. He acknowledges that the two people on the cross are there deservedly, but one of them wasn't. He acknowledges that there's something different about Jesus. You see his response. He acknowledges that there's something coming after death. And he looks at Jesus and he says what many of us would say in our last days, in our last moments, before that last breath. He looks at Jesus and he says, Jesus, will you remember me? Jesus, will you remember me? And in this moment, it just feels so real to me as I read it. That this, this man has lost all hope beyond that moment. He doesn't have more moments than this moment. And he has lost all hope beyond this moment. Can you picture it? That he has come to grips. Can you picture it? He's come to grips with the fact that his life is about to end, that death is not hypothetical, and it's not down the road in a distance. It's very real, and it's imminent. And he grabs a hold of the only thing that gives him a glimmer of hope. Can you picture it? And it's in this moment that Jesus gives a promise that only Jesus can give. Jesus gives a promise that only he has the potential to deliver on. He gives a promise that's going to change everything. Now, as I picture this conversation, and I want to bring it into 2022, how I picture this is pretty simple. It's someone looking at Jesus. Jesus, will you remember me? And Jesus looks at this man. And it's almost like words that maybe you've said before or have been said to you. Jesus, will you remember me? And he looks over and he says, yeah, I've got you. Has anybody ever said that to you? Have you ever been in the seat where you've lost, like, I, I don't have any outs. I, I, I don't have what I need. Like, I need something and I'm not the answer. And you look at somebody and you ask for something and the response they give you is, don't worry, I've got you. And the reassuring feeling that this person will not forget you, that this person has got you covered. It's amazing to me that in such a short interaction with Jesus can change everything. The problem is it changed everything for both people. And it depended on their view of Jesus and their response. Heading into Easter this year, I, I don't think I've ever spoken on the thieves in the cross before. I don't remember a time, maybe those that one hope you can, you, can, you can remind me, but I don't remember speaking on this part of the Easter story. 
But I felt like I was supposed to bring it to the top today. I felt like it was supposed to rise above today. And I didn't know why at the beginning, but as I began to just meditate on, began to let it soak in, I think here's the reason I'm supposed to share it with you today. That until we see ourselves as a thief on the cross, we won't experience the unrivaled power of the Easter story. Until we see ourselves as a thief on the cross, the unrivaled power of the Easter story will not grab a hold of us. It will not be real to us. Hear me on this. If we are here today, if we're engaging with this today, you know why we're here. You know what the story is. If we're together in this, we know this is a big day. We know the story. We know it's coming. We know what happened. But there's a difference. Hear me on this. There's a difference in knowing the story and understanding your part in the story. There's a difference in knowing the story and understanding the part we play in the story. See, the fullness of the story of Easter cannot be as powerful and life-changing as it needs to be until we not only intellectually, but emotionally and spiritually own the role we play in this story. And I'm proposing today for you, on this Easter, that maybe the number one thing we can do this morning is to own that we are no different than the thieves on the cross. We are no different than the thieves on the cross. See, when we truly see ourselves this way, then we can move past knowing the story to needing the story on deep levels. When we own this part of the story, we can now not only know the story, but we can we can find ourselves in the story and how much we need it on deep levels. It's in this moment. This day ends up being more than putting on nice clothes, taking nice pictures, having nice conversations, sitting in a seat, singing a few songs, hearing the story we know, going and having some good food. When we not just know the story, but own our place in the story. It's in this moment that I think Jesus can have the conversation that he wants to have with you, that he wants to have with me. It's in this moment that the conversation can begin, and the conversation is for us to know how much we need the good news of today. Author and Pastor Tim Keller describes the good news this way. He says, You, we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. 
to understand the Easter story. We can't look at it as someone who's observing from the outside. We need to put ourselves in the middle of the story as someone who has lost all hope until Jesus remembers us. Which is why we're here today, right? This is why we're here today, right? Because the truth of the story is it didn't end with Jesus and two thieves on the cross. The story doesn't end with Jesus saying, I've got you. The story doesn't end with a simple promise. The the story comes to full fruition when Jesus backs up the promise that he made to the thief. The story comes to full fruition when Jesus turns the promise to the thief into a promise for us. This is when the story hits its peak. When the death of Jesus becomes the potential life for everyone else. It's when Jesus kept his promise. It's when he kept his promise to the thief and then transferred that promise to you. When that promise was transferred to me, to us. And I know there has to be some people in here today that you need to be reminded that there's a promise. Because maybe you've lost some hope because of some decisions that you've made. Maybe you've lost some hope because of some experiences that you're going through. Maybe you lost some hope because you feel like life is a mess, because life is confusing, because life is hard, because life has worn you down, because you don't know what tomorrow brings and you're barely holding on for today, that relationships have broken up, that you're, 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 you're just, your peace is gone, your joy has been stolen. You just, you have lost some hope. And maybe you need to be reminded today that the promise he made is still the promise to today that his promise says, I want to meet you in those places. And not only meet you in those places, but I want to deliver you from those places. That the promise is still real today. We know that his promise is real. As I said, that's why we're here today. We're here today because three days later. Because three days later, people who were overwhelmed, people who were broken, people who were sad, people who were hurt, people who were lost, people who were confused, go to the place where they put Jesus after he died. They went to that tomb, but we all know what we found, right? Emptiness. We all know what we found, that he was no longer there. We know that he was there. There was somebody put, or people put in charge of making sure he'd still be there, but he is not there. We know three days later that the promise came true because Jesus did the impossible. Jesus did what the thieves couldn't do. Jesus did what you and I can't do, is that he kept his promise. 
and he still keeps that promise today. And that promise can be real in our life. All it needs is a short encounter. It doesn't need anything huge because it's not about us, it's about Jesus. All we need is to simply believe like three things about these, this story. Is simply believing that we are no different than the thief on the cross that was hung beside Jesus. We are no different. Can we put ourselves in that seat? We just need to simply believe that we are hopeless without Jesus. Can we understand that more than just in our mind, but emotionally, spiritually, can we get ourselves to that place when we put ourselves in the story? If we just simply believe that we are loved enough for Jesus to keep his promise of salvation. This is the encounter we need. I don't know what seat you sit in today. I don't know what's going on with your life today. Maybe you sit in a seat where you need to be reminded that you were the thief on the cross and Jesus has remembered you and so today is this day of celebration that I've been remembered and I sit inside of that promise. Maybe for you, you've never put yourself in the seat of the thief. You've never put yourself there. And when you don't put yourself there, then you don't realize the need that you have for Jesus. You may know the story of Jesus, but your need for Jesus maybe hasn't gotten to where it needs to be. And today you need to be reminded I am the thief on the cross. And today's big response is to be like the man who says, my hope is completely found in Jesus, you remember me. Jesus, you dying. You inviting me into your kingdom. You doing what I can't do for myself. That Jesus, will you remember me? Jesus, will you forgive me? Jesus, will you save me? Maybe that's the seat you sit in today and there's no better time to have the conversation with Jesus that he wants to have than today. There's no better time for you to acknowledge I am the thief on the cross, but there's a good thing that Jesus has already been beside me, died, rose again, and kept his promise so I don't have to just be the criminal on the cross, but I can be the saved one because of Jesus. God does a work and is continuing to do a work here at One Hope. And we've experienced some life change where people have been that criminal on the cross and realized all their hope is found in him and in him alone. And this morning, I just want to share a story with you about a guy named John. And John needed the hope of Jesus. And he got it. And then it was a couple months ago that John got baptized and we wanted him to tell you his story. And so you watch this real quick.
John, come on, man. Why don't you grab a seat? I feel that it's necessary because when I read the book and uh, John the Baptist, he baptized Jesus, which is the Son of God. For me to follow him stronger with my faith in him, I need to do this. John, why don't you tell your church what God's been doing in your life? I felt really angry when I got here. I literally didn't care whether I died or not. I was so mad. I was mad the whole world. You were mad, yep. I didn't even want to talk to Preacher Scott or James, but I was sitting right there on that seat. Out of nowhere, I felt somebody touch me here. That's when I stood out and went in front, and I started to pray. And Scott came out there, and Prince James came there. It just, uh, I lift weight off my shoulder. It just yeah. like, it lift. I feel like y'all grab it out and throw it somewhere. It feels so much in light. John, you believe that Jesus is the Messiah? Yes, sir. He's my Lord. He's my protector. He's my everything. He's forgiven you of your sins and you found your forgiveness through his death and resurrection. If it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be out here and talking about him. You want to live for him the rest of your life. It's just so much more to do with God than alone. And it's way more out there to do and spread his word. That's why I'm all in there. John, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You go in that water, it's so heavy. But when you come out, it's lighter than it could be. Because before I couldn't do it. Before I go bad mad, I get out mad. The devil was holding me so bad at that time. But guess what? That devil got what he deserved. Because that guy right there, Dick came and got me. Yeah, he did came and freed me out. He gave me my freedom. I cannot watch that video. That's the fifth time I've watched it. And I cannot stop myself from being emotional. Everybody wants to be free. Everyone wants to feel the weight of the world just, just taken off of them. You have walked in this place today knowing the story of Jesus. I believe that many, if not most of you, just, just believe that story of Jesus. But if you put yourself in the middle of the story of Jesus, where you can look at him and say, Jesus, remember me, free me, take the weight off me. I want to give my life to you so I don't have to carry my own life. That maybe today the freedom that you need is to be reminded and just to, just to continue to give your life to Jesus. And maybe for others it's, I need to re-give or give for the first time. Because hope has been hard recently. And you've tried a lot of ways to feel free. You've tried a lot of ways to feel hopeful but maybe there's someone in here today who wants to be like John. And you're just like, I don't want to go to bed angry anymore. I don't want to get up angry anymore. I don't want to go to bed broken anymore and wake up broken anymore. I don't want to go to bed confused, lost, just tired, worn out, and then wake up the exact same way. Maybe it's Jesus 
Will you remember me? Will you forgive me? Will you save me? Will you free me? Will you take my life? I want to give you that opportunity today because there's no better day than today. So you bow your heads with me. If you today, you're here for whatever reason. Maybe you're told you had to be here. Maybe you wanted to be here. Maybe there's just something weighing over you and you just want to go, Jesus, will you remember me? Jesus, will you keep your promise to me? Jesus, will you forgive me? Jesus, will you save me? Jesus, can you take my life since you gave your life for me? Maybe you want just to just say that to him. Have that conversation with him so that you can leave today more free than when you came in here. Heavenly Father, you see us where we are. As I always do, I ask you to speak even louder to your people than I speak. Will you speak with more clarity than I speak? Will you have the conversation that's needed with your people so that we can leave hopeful today? God, maybe there's some people in here who they've said a prayer, but they really haven't died to themselves and found life in you. It really given their life to you, God, will you have the conversation with them? God, maybe there's people today that just been resisting you. They know about you, but they're resisting you. God, will you have a conversation with them today? God, will you speak to them so they can hear you? And God, that we can respond to you today the way you have asked us to respond on this Easter morning when we're remembering that you were dead, but now you're alive. That you took everything off our backs and put it on your own. And we don't have to feel guilty for that. We can live in victory because of that. We can live in hope because of that. We can live in joy and peace in a relationship with you because of that. Thank you for today. Thank you for reminding us. Thank you for wanting to be personal with us. In your name we pray. Thank you for listening to this message from One Hope Church. If you would like to hear more, check out our website at ouronehope.com for message archives, service times, and more information on how you can get connected. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.